0: gorgeous george and Coz, are you ready junkie nation are you ready well, let's get it all from the fight capital of the world las vegas nevada
1: this is nma junkie radio, junkie radio.
0: What's going on junkie nation gorgeous George and goes reporting for duty here on a Monday it's Monday August 28th we're going to discuss the latest in mixed martial arts which includes obviously the results from uh, Singapore UFC Singapore card headlined by Max Holloway and the Korean zombie and I don't know that we spent too much time the other day but obviously the PFL now has their location their date for the finals. And, of course, there's all kinds of news always in this great sport of ours and the other combat sports attached to Mixed Martial Arts. We'll go over all of that, and we'll be right back. Yeah, it goes. So let's get to it, man. Yeah. Um, I know last week we had the interview with Brad Tavares, and so we didn't, He we, we spent a lot of time with him. But here's the final card for PFL, and then we'll get going on UFC Infa Kasanganai versus Josh Silvera, Jesus Pinedo versus Gabriel Alves Braga, Magomed Karamov, sorry, Magomed Magomed Karamov versus Sadabu C, Clay Collar versus Olivier Abin Mercier, Hannon Fajita versus Dennis Goltsoff. Larissa Pacheco versus Marina Malknackina. Malknat- Malknat- oh, that's a tough one. Malknackina. Yeah. So, overall, are you circling that date? That's Black Friday, actually, the day after Thanksgiving. So, you'll be off. You'll be full of turkey from leftovers and whatever. Is this the kind of card that will make you tune in? And I guess what I'm trying to say is... uh bravo pfl for another one let's you know you 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 got our attention throughout the year we'll finish off with you just like we normally do or what well, you know because the, there's a, a lot of big names that didn't make it to the end
1: yeah no i'm still down with it i think um i remember last year right around this time just kind of enjoying that being able to just sit back and watch and have that mma card there i'm totally down with it pfl is going to have its ups and downs it's just like you know anytime there's a if you watch Champions League soccer or March Madness, like it just doesn't work, it doesn't play out the way everybody thinks. If it did, it would be boring, right? So, um, I think overall, we're gonna have a good time with it. If we
0: hadn't tuned in last year, we wouldn't have seen the great upset by Larissa Pacheco over Kayla Harrison, and that almost was kind of um. I was going to say worth the price of admission, but you know what I mean. Uh, mm. That was a great, great fight, and and this was a pay-per-view, so there was some admission to it, but what can I tell you? Last year, I remember they mixed in Aspen Ladder versus Julia Budd, which was kind of like a preview towards those ladies being in this year's um, this year's regular season. I have to mm-hmm. reorganize my terms here when I, when it comes to these guys. Uh, I believe Stevens was on the card, even though he wasn't a finalist. He fought Natan Schultz. So I think they'll dress it up nicely around these six title fights. I haven't heard anything about pay-per-view. Have you? Not, not yet. I don't know if I heard that yet, necessarily. But whatever. I'll tune in. I like that they're doing something and they they invest money, so I'm willing to invest some money in them. I wouldn't want every card to be a pay-per-view, but once a year I'll do it because, like I say, they try shit, man. They throw stuff at the wall. Some stuff lands, some stuff doesn't, some stuff has yet to play out. Like Clarissa Shields has been a project, but we still haven't really seen much other than one and one uh, In Ghana we won't see till 2024, Jake Paul – probably in 2024 i guess who knows but they try stuff you know
1: yeah that's the important part is just to kind of keep things going and and keep things fresh because there's a lot of mma to consume and if you're not going to stick out in any way then it's rough especially when you think about this time period right this is where football starts to kick up at college and pro and then basketball starts to come around and baseball playoffs You really, really have to stick out if you want to get a sports fan's attention right now. For sure.
0: All right, well, we'll have plenty of time to make predictions and things like that as we get closer. But let's circle back to the UFC fight card out in Singapore, also known as UFC Fight Night 225 or UFC on ESPN plus 83 or UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Korean Zombie. So here are the results. And then we'll uh, we'll go to the top and talk about that. Oh, this is gonna be a tough one. Here we go. Choi Sing Wu defeated Jarno Ahrens. J.J. Aldrich defeated Liang Na. Billy Goff defeated Yasuku Kinoshita. Song Kanan defeated Rolando Bedoya. Michael Olacheck Olenek uh, Olicek, check, something like that uh defeated Chidi Njokuani. Garrett Armfield defeated Tashiyomi Kazama. Waldo Cortez Acosta defeated Lucas Resky. Junior Tafa defeated Marco. Parker Porter, excuse me. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield defeated Tyler Santos, Rinaya Nakamura defeated Fernie Garcia, Giga Chikati defeated Alex Caceres, Anthony Smith defeated Ryan Spann, and Max Holloway defeated Chan Sung Jung. The fight of the night went to Max Holloway and Chan Sung Jung. The performance of the night went to Junior Taffa, And Michael Olacheknik. So Tafa disposed of Parker Porter via KO Punch in round one. And Olacheknik defeated Chidi Injokawani in round one via TKO Punches. Now, were there other fights that ended in TKO Punches or subs? There was. J.J. Ulrich, Billy Goff, Garrett Armfield, Waldor, Cortez, Acosta. Um, So... I don't know. Maybe they'll get taken care of. Maybe they won't. But let me tell you something goes that crowd in Singapore brought it. There was 10,263 souls in there for a 1.2, almost $1.3 million gate, but it was loud, man. It was cool throughout the fights. They had an appreciation for every single thing that was taking place. Even if there was like a takedown, but someone worked their way to get back up as the fighters separated there would be this big round of applause for both fighters for what they had done, the techniques that they had used. First the fighter to get the other fighter down, then the other fighter to get back to their feet. And that was really, really cool. And I hadn't seen or experienced that in a while. Um, and it was, I wouldn't say refreshing because obviously it's happened before. I'm not sure it happens at many fight cards, but this, this all audience in unison was just so appreciative of everything that was taking place. And I'm talking from fight number one all the way on. Now, fight number one goes had it had um let's see here, it was Choi Soon-woo versus Jarno Ahrens. And I thought, well, is one of these guys a local or is one of these fights guys fought maybe at one championship? Why is the crowd like so into every strike? But no, really, what they were, they were just into MMA.
1: I thought if you could like assign a number to a crowd, you give them a 10, right? There's times where they go to the UK and some of those crowds just really, really bring it. This was one of those types of feeling. I thought it was overall, it it helps. It helps with the broadcast. It helps with the fights. I think it actually uh, gives the fighters... Remember, a lot of these fighters aren't really that happy to be traveling and going far. You know, Even some of these big cards like Australia, there's a lot of times where fighters aren't in a good mood that they have to do that. And on top of everything, they have to pay double tax, right? There's so many things. But I think when a crowd is that into it, it just kind of reminds you uh, how amazing it is what you do for a living. It's like a concert, right? Like a concert is going to be flat. If the crowd's not into it, the band's not going to be into it. If The crowd's not into it then the fighters aren't going to be like, I think this one was an amazing one. I got to tip my hat to those guys.
0: Me too. And when you get up at 2 a.m. or stay awake, which is what I did, but then I was in and out. But the crowd really helped me kind of stay awake and power through. And then at the very end, for them to serenade the Korean zombie as they played the Cranberry song, Zombie, he had announced his retirement. And they played it, and he walked out slowly. He was making sure he hugged everyone that meant a lot to him or some fans in the UFC. And, dude, that was one of the best retirements ever, man. I'm not joking. I've seen a lot of them. And sometimes, maybe if it's in a pay-per-view, it's like, hey, thanks for the memories. Okay. The next song is (laughs) already playing, and here come the fighters, you know. And in this case, because it was the last one, I guess there really was no rush. UFC on ESPN Plus was in control of everything. And, you know, this was like at, what, 7 or 8 a.m. So it's not like you can go, hey, man, Alabama and Georgia about to kick, kick off. Hurry this shit up. You know, like, no, there was nothing like that. You know, it's on their own streaming service. And so they he got a, a proper send sendoff. Um, what sucks is, and first I got to eat a little crow because I thought he was going to get wow wall. Me too. He didn't. He fought his ass off. He actually threatened uh, Sean uh, Sean, Max Holloway, hurt him a little bit. Max Holloway rarely even gets wobbled, but, you know, he was touching his chin. And you could tell Holloway was uh, shaking up a little bit. But that's what he can do is he can shake those off, too. But he was touching his chin and he was just going for it. If it was based on that, I'd say, man, that guy can still give us a few more fights. To lose The Holloways, no shame to touch Holloway and to threaten him. That says something. But it could be that he just said, I'm just going to go out in a blaze of gl- glory, which maybe that is the way to, for some fighters to fight. Sometimes fighters are so cautious, they do nothing but get their asses kicked for 15 or 25 minutes. This guy did in the end, but he put some stuff on Holloway.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because the result was terrific for max holloway but it 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 did kind of like blow your mind a little bit at some of the successes that the korean zombie did have you could tell he took this fight very very serious he was very prepared for it it just didn't work out and you know a lot of people go up against max holloway and have that same problem there's no shame in that if you look at that performance you probably look at a lot of that division and you say well that korean zombie that showed up probably beat some of these guys but i don't know that you want to test that out like why do you have to wait until you're ko really badly to say okay it's time to go the damage is done at that point right i think korean zombie if he's been able to save his money if he's been able to uh be happy with the way his his career has played out walk away now it's a good time you know and i can't think of Obviously, if you would have won, it would have been better. But off of a loss, I can't think of things looking any better. The way the crowd sent you off, the the buzz that was in the air that night. Be proud of what you accomplished.
0: Would you want to see Zombie at a Masvidal event or a bare knuckle or a, a Jake Paul event? Like, hey, you don't have to worry about the wrestling or the jiu-jitsu. You don't have to try and put anyone in the twister or anything like that just throw hands baby
1: yes and no i think um i think it would be interesting but at the same time those type of events you need like you're you're watching it and you're you know you're not watching the best boxer in the world right that's not high level boxing the reason you're tuning in is because there's some kind of heat like something needs to be solved right you wouldn't get that out of a Korean zombie. The only thing that I could think of that could maybe be fun is uh, if he box Jose Aldo, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. That might be interesting for me. But other than that, I don't know that that's his world. But I would definitely tune in.
0: Well, I wonder if some of these fighters grew up wanting to be boxers. We'll say, and I think so. they, then they realize, ooh, I probably don't have this, the that speed and technical prowess to be that but i can be a mixed martial artist because i may may not be high level boxing but i'm still a good boxer but i can grapple like a motherfucker you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so now they get to scratch that itch and if they get handsomely paid then yeah sure why not now you're right we don't know if this guy's a superstar in korea we don't know if all kinds of money's been saved If he's got an incredible job as a sports ambassador or maybe something lined up with UFC or who knows. And maybe he just doesn't need to do this. But if he does, boy, I think that guy can sell tickets. I mean, everyone was into the zombie on Saturday.
1: You know, one thing I do want to see change a little bit. When you see the reaction from people, the effect that the Korean zombies had, you know. I don't know what it's like in Korea, but like over here in the United States, we have a lot of athletes. There's a lot of sports that get played. Um, I don't know that there's that many sports and that many celebrities and high level athletes like that in Korea. Like they have to figure out how to do this uh, military service thing. You know, nobody's saying the Korean zombie doesn't have to serve in the military, but maybe don't take away a piece of his career, you know, wait till the end and have him have him complete it then have him do it that way because honestly like you need these types of heroes out there you need them putting your country on the map and he definitely did that but he was robbed of a couple of years of his career
0: yeah and this goes for the k-pop pop stars too right like no yeah. one gets away from this military service which in a way it's like well at least at least they're being fair I mean, I don't know how you get out of it. Maybe fake bone spurs or something. But um, it sounds like everyone has to do it. And it probably makes every single one of these boys and girls. It accelerates the process of being men and women. But it seems like everyone uh, has to do this. And, yeah, that that that's true, Goes Some sort of an exception of, hey, can this guy serve maybe a desk job when he's done at age 40? He'll do his three years um or whenever i mean look i guess he could he could have done it right now right i mean he just retired and i think he's let's see let's see his age 37 36 so he could still do it now but whatever um back to the zombie incredible career i personally if i'm running the ufc hall of fame i think he meets the criteria that's been set which is not all having to do with just the immortal gods of MMA. I think if you've contributed in some way to the sport and helped it grow, the UFC takes a good look at make at, at you being in their Hall of Fame. And I think this guy did not only deserves the good look; he deserves to be in. He kind of helped spearhead that country and also Asia uh, for the ones that followed. Like, if you think about it guess who else had a ton of personality and rarely said anything in English, if anything in English, and that's Sakuraba. I mean, he was <laughs> beloved, you know? And I think the Korean zombie is kind of like pretty much at that level. Um, And some fighters can do it and others can't. And, you know, we'll see. But I, I think he deserves to get in. If there was an MMA Hall of Fame based on just credentials, it might be tough, but he was a two-time title challenger. He only lost to legends. Aldo took him out and Volkanovski took him out. He beat two future Hall of Famers in Frankie Edgar and Dustin Poirier. He had a respectable record overall of uh, 15 and 6. Sorry, uh, 17 and 8. Most of his fights were finishes, 14 of them. 6 by KO, 8 by submission. But I mean, he really, really pulled in fans. And I think he was a you know a headliner that could sell tickets. So that one would be a tough one in an MMA Hall of Fame that's just dedicated to, like I say, the immortal gods. maybe not. Who knows? Especially if you start it now and apply criteria now. If you started an MMA Hall of Fame back then, I think a lot of fighters would get in because at that time we thought we were basically seeing the most elite fighters. In the world, and then we had to kind of sift through them and finally eventually get around to them. But
1: um I think he makes the UFC Hall of Fame. I think it'd have to be sooner or later. I think if too much time goes by, he might just get lost in the shuffle.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um On this card, it was pretty decent. This fight night card is my type of fight night card. Oftentimes the UFC will give something at the apex where they'll go, Hey, look at this main event. And then we got some other fighters going on, which almost makes you feel like you're tuning into a Dana White contender series. This one had Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann in the uh, Coleman event. And this one went to a split decision. Anthony Smith got the win. Giga Chikotse defeated Alex Caceres via unanimous decision, but both guys are names. Chikati back after 18 months, Congrats to him shaking off that ring rust and getting a win over a guy that had won his last two, but he had won seven of his last eight in Bruce Leroy.
1: Any thoughts on those two fights? Well, for one, man, I love me some Anthony Smith, but I don't know that he won that fight. That That one was a little difficult. With Alex Caceres, I wonder what it's like to be a guy like him. This may sound harsh and i don't mean it to be that way but alex Caceres is a guy that when you see him pop up on your card you're excited you know you're thinking this is a good name he's always going to give you a good fight but you just don't feel like he's going to be a player in the title picture or nothing i wonder what that's like as a fighter like what that mentality's like um giga chikatsi was a good performance for him you know and that and that kind of makes things interesting now going forward for him because it gives him a little bit more life and you I'm sure we'll get to it that the division is kind of strange right we don't really know what all is going to happen what will it take for Max Holloway to get another shot I don't think a lot of people are really in favor of that but I did think about something George if, if it's all right to veer off in that that uh, realm do you want to or no yeah
0: I should have When we talked about the main event, I should have brought that up.
1: Well, think about this. I don't think it's crazy that Holloway does get another shot. I just think it's crazy that he gets it going through Volkanovski. If Volkanovski fights Tapuria and wins, I think there's a good chance you could see him go up to 155. And if he did that, then I think what you could do is maybe you take Giga and you take Yair Make them fight. Winner fights Holloway for the new belt. I could see something like that happening.
0: If Volkanovski beats
1: Taporia, well, if he's matched up with him and if he beats him, yeah, I could see Volkanovski saying, "Look, I've I've already done enough here. I'm I'm ghost. I'm out. I'm going up to 155." Then I could see Max Holloway possibly capturing a title again for
0: an interim while Volkanovski's gone, or you're seeing Volkanovski just vacates. He, he's and just it's open? Gone.
1: Yeah, he's just oh, um... yeah,
0: for sure. Then at that point, Walker or Holloway definitely needs to be one of the two participants because he's been holding down the fort. While anytime Walkenowski's not involved, but mm-hmm. he's down a clear 3 0. I can make an argument for it only being 2 1, but even that settles the trilogy. Even if we go, All right, you yeah. won fight two, you still got waxed in fight three, and it's just tough, but it's tough because. Well, Holloway keeps taking everyone else out, but that's still not me campaigning on his behalf that he should get a fourth fight. I don't think he should get a fourth fight. I think you give to his fight and then we'll see how things play out. I think there's going to be a lot of fighters. You brought one up to or like Arnold Allen, who took an L but dusted themselves off and are working their way back. And I think one of those will, will be out there. We almost had Sterling moving up just out of, Hey, I'm too big for 35. I've done well. I want to test myself, but looks like he wants to stay. In fact, do you want to talk about that for a sec? Because sure, I don't know that, you know, I know that we talked as much as we could based on the information that we knew, but last week when Sterling lost, he said, wow, I may have to reconsider 45 because if O'Malley can do this to me, I wonder what Volk would do to me. And we all said, we appreciate his honesty. That's great. But now, in a way, it's almost like he's hurting his own cause if he ever gets there, you know what I mean? Like, be, by showing us the human side. Um. Anyway, since then, Marav really and boy, has this guy taken some heat online. He has said he will stand aside. He's not ready to compete yet. Fully. He's not ready to fully train and all that yet, but he's getting close. I think he thinks that, Towards the end of the year, early next year, he could. If he had the title shot, he would. He said he would even fight through the injury. But he's willing to step aside and let Sterling try and recapture his belt. And I think what he thinks is, is him and Sterling were to, sorry, if Sterling and O'Malley were to fight and Sterling wins, Sterling leaves anyway. But think about this. If Sterling wins, what are they? 1-1. One, one. They still mm-hmm. have a big money trilogy fight on the table, and with O'Malley becoming the big star that he has, this could be A, big for Sterling, because he'd be champ with pay-per-view points, and B, big for the UFC, because O'Malley's a star, right? Especially if these are great fights. So now what does that do? That backs things up even more. All the while, you still got Corey Sanhagen, Marlon Vera. Um, I don't know that Devalis really's playing his hand right on this one
1: it doesn't make any sense to me like does he have information like did Marab kill somebody and and he's got the tape or what like this dude he's like the best friend that everybody wants i can't believe how loyal he is but honestly like your career is gonna pass you by if you can't make these moves and i think uh Aljamain Sterling needs to maybe repay the favor now, right? Like, Mrab waited long enough. Granted, he's not ready to go right now, but it doesn't seem like he's that far away. It's easy uh, to say
0: when you're champ and you're winning, oh yeah, the next one I'll move up, and then it's Mrab's time. But then when you get knocked out, holy cow, your life changes.
1: You don't get the change
0: viewpoints. You're not the champ. Doors aren't opening. Your stakes aren't being paid for by fans. You know, like, I bet you he's going through a lot right now, like some sort of withdrawal, Sterling. It's been about a week, but I bet you he's just like, man, am I still the same guy? Because this thing can glorify you, especially when you're on top for a while. Other champions respect you. People are calling you a possible goat. You're in the conversation with Cruz. And now it's all about O'Malley.
1: Well, it's interesting, too, because when you think about like just stylistically, I feel like Mirab would be a, a nightmare for Sean O'Malley. You know I what agree. I mean? So, like, it's it's there, it's within his grasp, but he's uh, he's letting it slip away, and you know, I don't I, I don't know what to attribute that to.
0: Yeah, O'Malley really wants Cheeto, but I think a lot of that has to do with. I'm not saying he's not ready for the wrestlers yet because he did stop O'Malley uh, Sterling, but I also don't feel like he got the full arsenal of Sterling's takedown attempts. I think it was only one, honestly, Mm -hmm. and he fought it off and that's good. He also was a moving target and that made it so that O'Malley, sorry, I keep messing that up. So that Sterling, it wasn't easy for him to position himself to do it. Part of it was Sterling wanted to put on a show, but part of it was too O'Malley had good lateral movement, but either way, I think a guy against a guy like Murad, you're going to be fighting off takedown after takedown after takedown, and then against a guy like Cejudo, who likes to throw hands, I think Cejudo's probably thinking, "Man, I lost against Sterling. I don't want to lose against this guy. I got to get him on the ground and ground and pound him, and Mm -hmm. you know, because he'll be at a real deficit with the reach and things like that." But um, I, I don't think it's bad on o'malley's part to do that because look in the one hand he gets to avenge a loss although he'll tell you i never lost but well, why do you got it so why do you got it out for cheeto then if you never lost to him i think at some point someone's got to put a mic in his face and go hey why do you really want this one you beat him remember like you know and like see yeah. what he says to that but get a fresh matchup you you beat this guy you're undefeated and then you roll your eyes what about Cejudo? He Lives in the same state as you. He likes to talk trash. He's a big fight. I don't know. I, I I think he knows. In this one, we get the kickbox. May the best man win. And frankly, look, Vera probably is up there in terms of sales. I think is still probably bigger than Davalashvili, San Sanhagen. But I'm hearing Vera's pretty popular. I don't know if he's as popular as Saudo. If he were to meet Vera. I think that could also set something up down the road with those two Mm -hmm. if Vera were to shake that off and get some wins and have a great trilogy fight. But who knows? I guess I just wanted to focus more on Dvalish really and just what a team player that guy is, man. Dude, the ultimate team player. I think it was Chell Sonnen that pointed out, Marab, in this case, your loyalty is not being uh, tested. It's your shot. You're not Mm -hmm. stealing the shot from Sterling if they tell you it's your shot. Now, if they give Sterling the rematch and they offer it, then I guess Mrab didn't have to step aside because they never came to him to begin with. But if they come to you, then it's not really stealing the guy's shot because they came to you. (sighs) That's a tough one, man. That that really, really is a tough one. But anyway, all right. So let's circle back to this card, and then we'll put a bow on it. Aaron Blanchfield defeated Le- Tyler Santos, excuse me. That was the other big fight on the card. No disrespect to the others. Congrats on their wins. But this one has kind of title implications. Why? Because Tyler Santos went toe-to-toe with Valentina Shevchenko, gave her one of the greatest scares to the reign that she had prior to it ending versus Alexa Grasso earlier this year. That fight was last year. Tyler Santos had, I believe, an orbital—sorry, orbital eye injury That maybe was going to require surgery, but then it didn't. But for some reason, that fight never came to fruition, the rematch. They went with Grasso. Many felt like Shevchenko was maybe even running from Santos because Santos really, really wanted it, stated she was ready, and it was an exciting fight. Why not run it back? But they didn't. So now she loses to Grasso, but because she was the incredible champion that she was, the UFC said, you get an automatic rematch. So Santos, I think, wanted to stay busy. And her, along with Aaron Blanchfield and probably Manon Fiorent, are top of the class. So they matched up these two. And by the way, Fiorent fights this Saturday against Rose Namajunas, who's moving up the flyweight. But Blanchfield took her out. So Blanchfield now is getting all the flowers from everybody. And they're telling her, you're probably next for the winner. And I think that's right. She's 6-0 in the UFC. And she's done very, very well for herself. Overall, she holds a 12-1 and record. Overall, I think her only loss is to Tracy Cortez back in the Invicta days. Anyway, your thoughts on this fight? Like I say,
1: it's important to women's flyweight. It was a good fight, but my opinion of Blanchfield before the fight and after kind of changed a little bit. And I can't tell if it's Santos exposing something or if it's just Santos being that good. But uh, my opinion has definitely, I felt like Blansfield was just kind of on her way to being that person that's going to be at the top. Now I think it's going to either take a little bit more time or she might not be ready just yet. I, I don't know. That's hard to kind of figure out because of the performance that Santos had.
0: Well, hold on. I'm confused a little. Usually, Blanchfield takes people down, and she's just a blanket. She smothers mm-hmm. you and beats you up or submits you. In she this case, she went to a decision. But in round three, I thought what won the fight for Blanchfield was her toughness and her hands. And I thought that's improvement, you know, like to show, hey, I can throw strikes as well. I don't think she would want to do that in round one. But in round three, when you're tired and you're gutting it out, but you're the mm-hmm. one that had the better stand-up towards the end, maybe even winning that round. I think that's a testament there in Blanchfield.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that. It's just she had this feeling early on like we just might have this diamond in a rough. And uh, I, maybe she just showed that she's a little human in this fight. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, I'll tell you this much. If Grasso can submit Shevchenko, I believe Landshield could as well. But I think Shoshenko did like a a Chris Weidman with that kick, you know, where he he didn't need that kick, but he did it, and Rockhold Rockhold took advantage of it. Now I'm not saying Rockhold couldn't have beat him anyway, but I'm just saying in the specifically in the Grasso Shoshenko fight, I thought Shoshenko was on her way to a three-one lead going into the fifth, and she threw this spinning back kick, but kind of. Just the timing of it, it was off. Alexa did a great job of getting out of it, but then immediately closed and took her down and attacked. I mm-hmm. thought that was brilliant. And she said she trained for that, and I believe her. She's been in the studio once, but she doesn't strike me as a liar, and that's great. But, I don't know, Blanchfield can initiate her own takedowns. Who knows? And and maybe Valentina thought, oh, I've been here before. I'm comfortable. And next thing you know, she underestimated um, her... Rear naked choke attack and you know, submit so maybe it all happened too quick. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. But I had never thought in a, in a lifetime that she would lose to Alexa Grasso. I thought Alexa Grasso had yeah. nice hands, not the most powerful hands, but they're clean. And I guess if they connect, they connect. But Valentina's been in there with fucking Amanda Nunes, man. And Amanda Nunes hasn't been able to knock her out, you know. So and Holly home. So why is Alexa Grasso gonna do it? But if she is. That's the way. And next thing you know, it's via submission. I don't know. That's tricky to me. She's also 35. Who knows? She may have been caught overlooking her. We really, really, really don't know. But I expect her to come back the way GSP came back and mopped up Sarah. I think she might do that. Now, she again, the age thing scares me a little bit. And you get 30% better as a fighter just because you wear the belt, according to mm-hmm. Teddy Atlas. So maybe I'm wrong.
1: It- did that she fight come again. back completely, too, from the knee injury?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. It was a few years ago, but mm-hmm. she never used that as an excuse. Um, the good thing is all these fights are coming up. So the Nama no, Yunis is this week. Then we have the fight card in Australia. And then the one after that is Noche UFC, which is Grasso versus Shevchenko. So pretty cool stuff there. All right. Um, I guess that kind of, you know, puts an end there to that fight card. Again, Singapore, you guys brought it. Chan Sung Jung, man. I, if your brain isn't fried from combat sports, I <laughs> thought you still showed you can do it, man. Go out there and keep performing. But who knows? Maybe maybe I think what he knows is he's probably going to get an uppercomer. In the UFC, and not necessarily those top, that top building versus other killers. I mean, it wasn't that long ago he beat Dan Ige, and Ige's still out there doing his thing, but mm-hmm. this guy's a little older than Ige. I get it. Seconds from beating Yair Rodriguez, too. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The upward, uh, uh, inverted elbow. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. This weekend, we have Gone versus Spivak out in Paris, France. We just wrapped up. Spinning back, click with Fada Hanun. She'll be covering the event for us in Paris, France. Danny Segura was also on the show. That show is every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, at least for the next seven weeks, and then we'll go back to our normal time one hour later, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Check that out. You can go to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Subscribe to the channel. Check out that video. It's already out, the replay from today. We discussed a lot of the big topics kind of in more detail with the panel. Hit the like and subscribe on that. That would really, really help us out a lot. But um, this fight card, like I say, is I wanted to compare it to Singapore. It's got Gan and Svivak, quality main event. Firol versus Nama Yunus, quality co-main event. And then it's got Thiago Moises. Benoit Sandini who fought really really well and exciting the last time he was out Volcan Ozemir is on the card so I like that I I like that we're going two or three deep on some of these fight nights I don't know if it has to be international for that to happen but I'm telling you some at the apex you're like holy cow like what are we doing here what does this fight mean right Mm -hmm. I mean Nama Yunus is a star and she's the co-main event yeah the following week, they're in Australia, Adesanya versus Strickland, uh Tuivasa versus Volkov, Cop versus Felipe Dos Santos, who was going to be on Dana White Contender Series this past Tuesday. If you recall, they only had four fights instead of five. But that f- uh, fifth fight, the guy that didn't make weight, that's Felipe Dos Santos. He's been, he's been rewarded with Manel Cop. Justin Toffa. The other brother of Junior Taffa, who beat Parker Porter, he fights on this card against Austin Lane. Tyson Pedro's back. Carlos Ulberg, he's, he's going to be fighting. Jamie Malarkey versus John McDessey. Boy, John McDessie's still chugging along, goes. Yeah, dude. He's 38. He's 38. He fought at UFC 124 against Pat Odenwood in December of 2010. And this fight card a is random. Two, how do you remember that? 293. Well, I mean, think of how many times he's been on the show. True. You know what? Is that the same guy? Hold on a second. I got to check something. The, the the Peruvian fighting at PFL? Mm-hmm. He fought in the UFC? The monster? I don't think so. Jesus Pinedo, who's fighting, he he beat Bubba Jenkins and Brendan Lochne. He actually fought in the OC one time against John twice. Lost against John McDessie and beat Devin Powell. He only went one oh. and one. It was a quick, quick stop. And uh man, he's really, really fighting really nice right now. Mm-hmm. But he did fight. This was back in two thousand eighteen and nineteen. So this one must have got lost in the shuffle. But McDessie um, beat him. Jesus Fernando. Pinedo. Pinedo's gotten a lot better since then. I mean, to beat Lockman and Jenkins back-to-back the way he did, man, finishing both, I got to believe he'll take down Gabriel Alves Braga. But, yeah. Anyway, that's the uh, 293 card that's coming up. In the latest news, Conor McGregor. We'll start with him. Let's get it out of the way. Oh, I didn't include boy. him in. Spinning back click because he just somehow weasels his way into spinning back click every week with a tweet or something. I didn't want to do it this way this time, but I, I'll bring him up here on Junkie Radio. It's two different shows. He said he is fighting at the end of the year at UFC 296 in mid December. And some people are pointing to Fight Pass may have slipped and actually also put something out with his name on it and Chandler's name on it. And I don't know if that's true or not. Again, this would basically mean goes that he circumvents the six month the policy of sick, uh, of being in the USADA pool for six months when you return as a fighter. A lot of people have asked, hey, how is it that some people can be a, like Felipe Dos Santos, for example. He hasn't even been in the UFC yet. How can he get Manel cop? I believe that's when you first come in so that you can take a short notice fight. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. But, and you're still, once you're in, obviously you're not going to just say, okay, I'm in, even though I've been taking steroids last month. You're obviously going to have to be a clean fighter. But when you've left and then want to come back, you have to do six months so that you can't just retire, inject yourself, get bigger and more swole or whatever and recover and then say, hey, I'm retired and play that game. I guess that's why they have that rule. So let's say uh, McGregor, as of yesterday, the 27th said, yeah, you know what I'm in. He can't fight till February 27th. Right. Under the six months. But we know that the UFC has given exemptions before. They did one with Brock Lesnar. They're in litigation over that, or were in litigation over that, because Mark Hunt, I think, had a problem with that. That's why I felt like they're going to, no matter what's going to happen, he's always going to do the six months. But he did put that out yesterday. I don't know how serious to take it because I'm up to hear with it. I just keep <laughs> saying, piss in a cup. And we know that now you're serious and you'll be fighting anytime in the next six months. Like if he really wanted to fight in December, why wouldn't he have peed on June 27th or June? One or whatever it means to get into that 6 Right,
1: photo. It's just it's a slippery slope. I mean, UFC is very capable of doing something like that, but I don't know. USADA just seemed really, really against it. There's so many people that are uh, against it as well that like, I just don't see it happening.
0: Fair enough. Kevin Holland said this goes when they asked him about him versus ian machado gary he doubts it'll happen he quote he says they have a blueprint for guys like that would you agree with that
1: maybe yeah because kevin isn't a
0: wrestler usually the blueprint is this guy's an exciting striker we need him to keep winning do not put him in there against a wrestler yeah and kevin doesn't strike me as that um and Kevin seems to be well-liked. I mean, he's one of the UFC president's favorites, so I don't know if that if this is accurate or not. What he does have is a solid ground game, mm-hmm. does Kevin Holland. I mean, he just submitted Michael Chiesa, for crying out loud. But yeah. maybe, maybe he's right. I don't know. Um, Amanda Heavis is booked against Luana Pinedo on November 18th. Now, I know to some of you that might not be a big deal, but, man, I'm a big Hebas fan. I thought she, her and Macy Barber had an awesome fight last time out. We also had a really cool interview with her, uh, and since then I just, she always seems so happy, and I can't hate on a person that just enjoys every day of
1: life. That seems to be her. She's like the opposite in the cage, right? She's a beast in the cage, outside of the cage. She's super sweet and happy all the time but that fight was something else. I really hope we get to see them fight another time. Correcto
0: Mundo goes. All right. Jermaine Durandami is targeting a fourth quarter, 2023 return after giving birth. So this young lady, well, she's not a spring chicken, but she's obviously not a golden girl either. So uh, we'll just, we'll just say this lady is actually pretty amazing goes. A lot of people don't know this. So she's a cop out in Holland. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't fight very often. But when she has, she's made it count. And she's 39. She just had a kid. But look at the skins on her wall. She's beaten Julie Kedsey, Larissa Facheco, Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington, Aspen Ladd, and Juliana Pena. Pretty Peña, Holm, and Pacheco have all held major titles. She's only lost to Amanda Nunes twice. And basically since 2011, that's been her. The only fighter she's lost to is Amanda Nunes. Now, she did have a couple of losses early on, but even those fighters weren't tomato cans, Vanessa Porto, and Julia Budd. But again, she just takes these long spells in between fights. However, she's literally been the epitome of pound for pound because she's fought at Bantamweight, where she was a title contender, and Featherweight, where she won a UFC title. She's mm-hmm. been really complicated for me to rank because, again, when you're away for two years, we got to drop you. Getting pregnant, I gave her a lifeline, but then eventually it just, you know, it's not fair to the other young ladies. I finally had to pull her even after the birth of the kid, uh, but now
1: she's back. But she's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, I know that. Let's see here. Holmes just lost, although that might get overturned because Myra Bueno Silva just uh, got caught for a substance. And we have Juliana Pena. She's barking to fight Raquel Pennington. She, them two, should probably fight for the vacant title. But Jermaine holds a win over both. I mean, I think if she comes back in quarter four, she probably won't be necessarily straight into a title fight, but. You're carrying some weight when
1: you have a win over those two, especially if those two fight for the title. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I could. It's so funny, though. Like, wasn't she got criticism back in the day because she didn't want to face Cyborg, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I remember that kind of like hit. Some people tipped their cap and said that a girl. And then some people were like, nah, you just can't do that. I'm curious what her career would have looked like had she just been more of an active fighter, um, I don't know that she would have reached the highest of highs, but I think the skins on her wall would have been enough to, to really be somebody that we talk about. Yeah.
0: And she had the same stance that Kat Zingano's had, where she wants additional testing. At the time, they didn't have USADA yet. And so she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what I mean? Like, I'll fight her, but... I think she wanted additional testing, and she just wasn't against the couple of knocks that Cyborg had taken due to PEDs and I can respect that. You know, had others taken fights, sure, but she said, "No, I'm not going to do it." You have any thoughts on Sean O'Malley's face tattoo?
1: Pick, Did you see it? Yeah, champ, and it says something else too, right? Um, it's I'm a not sugar, a, I,
0: well, I don't know which ones he's already had, but it's his champ, and then it's got in Roman numerals. I think that's the new one. I think there's mm, a crown there. I'm
1: not a big fan of uh, tattoos, but I guess that's one that you can never take away from them, right? If I'm uh, if I'm a Lincoln Park fan and I throw that up on my face, there's a good chance in a couple of years I go, eh, maybe they weren't that good or whatever. You're never gonna not be the champion. Like it's something you accomplished It's it's there to stay. It's kind of like when people do their their dogs or their kids or something So if that's his thing, which obviously I guess it is he's got so many of them But on the face Jesus Christ that probably hurt really bad (laughs) True
0: Uh. I think once Tyson did it, it just probably changed the way, you know, you're right. Tattoos were mostly a, an arm thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like everyone was getting wings on their back and the barbed wire or whatever it's called, whatever looked at. An yeah. Oh, yeah. The anchors for the, the the Navy seamen. But now they're everywhere and everywhere. And that's just the deal. Um, but the face, yeah, I think a lot of that changed with probably Mike Tyson, but mm-hmm. anyway, all right, folks, we're gonna cut short here a little bit. We usually give it that hour, but a lot of times we go overboard and we want to maybe even things out a little bit. But I think we did a good job covering the UFC Singapore event. Um, uh, by the way, Chikotsi saying she wants he wants the Rodriguez next because he finally wants to fight on a pay per view. I was like, what, never fought on a pay per view before, but he should, he's exciting. Um, Of course, there's a Dana White Contender Series event tomorrow. There's no more PFL until the playoffs. And then we have a UFC event in Paris, France. Uh, There's still a full calendar, which you can check out on the schedule tab. So you'll see what's next, not only just for the UFC, but also Bellator. And I believe one championship is in there as well. So I always encourage you to make most of the usage that you can out of the website because a lot of hard work goes into the website. But I'm telling you, if you're a fan of the sport, the website, the free app on all smartphones and tablets is available for you to keep up. And then our socials are incredible. We have an Instagram page with over 1.1 or 1.2 million followers. We're constantly posting stuff there. We have this YouTube channel with over 312, 13,000 subscribers. Lots of content there. And then, of course, Facebook and Twitter. So check it out. All right, folks? And uh, also, World MMA Awards are coming up. We would love to get your vote for best media source. It only takes about five minutes to 10 minutes to fill out. You go to worldmmaawards.com. May Junkie is up for Best Media Source. We've won the award five times, but it's been a while since we won it. We want to win it again, so please take the time to go out and vote, especially if you think we really are the best. But if not, then just take the time to vote for whoever you want. We'll respect that. There's a lot of other categories like Male Fight of the Year, Female Fight of the Year, Fight of the Year, um, Coach of the Year, things like that. Eric Nixick is up for Coach of the Year. He's a good friend of the show. And also, our colleague, Nolan King, he's up for Journalist of the Year, so perhaps you can give him some love. He's an amazing, talented young fella, and I would put him right up there with any of the others. Hell, not just in the sport, but even in our talented staff, where many have been nominated in the past, past Mm -hmm. or present. Folks, we're out of here. Enjoy your day. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon.